When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Numbers to join us today on Hale Varsity can check in at 466-3776-4663776-800-825-5865. Phone numbers to get in. Email Chris at Hale Varsity.com and uh, follow us and find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. We are at Casa de Schmidt today. We'll get into some uh, pretty cool topics of discussion with the Hale Varsity mailbag. We're loaded up with some Heisman aficionados, uh, three Heisman voters will join us today. And uh, Devontae Smith, an incredible talent for Alabama, capturing the uh, trophy uh, last night, the third Heisman winner under Alabama, under Nick Saban. And uh, we'll hear from uh, Mike Babcock. Babber's going to be with us in about 20 minutes. Mike Schuhart uh, also this hour. Brad Edwards will dive into some college football playoff. That is coming up in one hour. Uh, Brad Edwards, also a Heisman uh, voter. And then Mitch Sherman. Mitch uh, was doing his podcast. He does with Scott Docterman yesterday. So uh, we we uh, audibled, and Mitch will be with us today at 525. And then we'll uh, spend some time with our friends with Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert will get his insight just how banged up, how dinged up is uh, Mr. Fields for Ohio State is that uh, title game looms on Monday. You have the phone numbers to get in. Uh, we need to start off with what is actually happening. And Elijah, you and I are, are pretty uh, good about sticking to, to sports. And uh, we do that. If you want to hear my uh, thoughts or the news side of things, you can catch me on KFOR here locally in Lincoln, 6 to 9, uh, Monday through Friday. I do that in the mornings. And I love doing that as well. So I've got a news hat. I've got a sports hat. I'm lucky and blessed to have two hats. But um, can't not uh, comment or go forward at all with at least uh, what is happening. If for, for whatever reason uh, you've been away from Twitter or your phone or TV or news radio. And I know we're sports and we'll get into some sports here in just a second. But just as an update uh, you have demonstrators that gathered in downtown Washington, D.C. today on Wednesday morning. Uh, they halted the proceedings as Congress voted to uh, certify the Electoral College votes for Joe Biden. A mob breached the Capitol building 
on Wednesday afternoon, leading to clashes with law enforcement. One person has been shot. Biden took to the airwaves, calling on Trump to demand an end to this siege after a pro-Trump mob breached the Capitol. Uh, Trump went on Twitter oh, a little more than an hour ago or so, uh, asking for peace and for folks to go home. Uh, and his message was kind of wrapped around his rhetoric about the election being stolen, stolen from him. So that that was part of the minute of, of President Trump addressing the situation and um, the National Guard per President Trump's secretary is on the way. And I, I've been watching ABC coverage, Elijah, of this, and it's just an eerie scene and you see places, you see reporters on site. Uh, a lot of times I look at the Middle East and I see reporters on site in the Middle East when there's uprisings, there's terror, there's incidents, and there's uh, fear, right, where you have an on-site reporter that, that is there. Martha Radich for ABC is on site, and she was a few blocks back from... Uh, the, the Capitol building, uh, as uh, the Capitol was breached, of course, and she was near the Capitol police. And you have law enforcement folks that are trying to keep the peace. You have folks that are peacefully protesting. And I don't really care what side of the fence you're on when it comes to protesting. You have that ability. You have that guaranteed right as an American. And I, I pray that you do do it um, peacefully. There are folks on, on both sides of the fence uh, when it comes to your political leanings that don't do things peacefully. That's where you get into trouble, and that's where there's danger, and that's where you put real, real heroes. That's law enforcement in a tough situation. You put their lives in danger, and I, I can't stomach that. So that's where we're at. You're witnessing this as well, Elijah, and I'm sure your your jaw is still on the floor like mine has been. You didn't think you'd see this in the United States of America, you thought you'd see something like this in uh, in another country. And if you're if you're keeping score, the last time the Capitol has been stormed is 1814. Yeah, 1814. Uh, and that wasn't even American citizens. That was the British. The British were attacking our country and they stormed into the Capitol building. We have American citizens storming into the Capitol building. And it, it's just it's shameful. You, you watch the situation. It's uh, almost like uh, we're just the disgrace of the world. This is right a now. movie. Yeah, this is a bad movie we're watching. I I don't understand how we have reached a point where, I mean, our our Congress people have to go take cover within Congress to well, remain you, safe. You're, war, you're gonna have to send in robots and German shepherds to make sure there's no bombs left uh, in the nation's capital so they can continue the electoral count. I mean, a, a booby trap's been set, like I'm watching Goonies, and it's just it's embarrassing. That's that's the word I have for it today. Is watching it's just. I'm I'm thankful. I, I think that they have reported that there has been one death, which is tragic and awful. Um, yes. But thankful that it's not more than that, um, because this is a situation that could have gone awry so quickly, dangerous. Uh, and I, I'm just today, I am just shameful, uh, not to be an American, but that this is going on in our country. It is uh, Twilight Zone. It's horrific, and I just pray that folks are safe. Uh, law enforcement is safe. They are asked to do a difficult job, and uh, I need uh, to see some law and order. And you can protest peacefully. 
but the minute you you, you break and enter, uh, the decision is now in the hands of law enforcement. There is your there is your update uh, when it comes to uh, news of the day, and we are a sports show. I love talking sports again. If you want to, and I'm not telling you to leave. I, I love my audience. But if you're more interested in what's going on in our nation's capital, KFOR locally in Lincoln, it's where you need to go uh, for that. And uh, I will spend more time on it tomorrow morning on KFOR at 6 a.m. So let's switch gears and uh, can get your thoughts on uh, a bunch of different topics. And Nebraska football, we'll get into to things with Mike Babcock on, on the Big Red here in a little bit. But... Uh, you know, I'm interested is, and we spent a little bit of time on this yesterday in, uh, on, you know, Nebraska football for 2021 and com a, a very interesting poll here. And let's talk about this here. Issues facing Nebraska football in, in 2021. And uh, you can go vote HailVarsity.com. Uh, you're encouraged to do it. But when we think about kind of highlighting and circling the top issues uh, of football for the Big Red uh, on the offensive side of it, you know, what is the biggest issue facing Nebraska football? Is it the eye-back run game? Is it the downfield passing game? Is it the offensive line play? Is it as simple as quarterback play? And we'll get into some more of the mailbag uh, questions that are there. And and Brandon and Jacob and Mike and Aaron and uh, uh, Dr. Petey and Greg Smith, they do an amazing job each week with uh, the mailbag call. And it's fun to to get into and and use on radio from time to time. But this is is a house of cards to keep with our early segment political theme here. This is a house of cards, Elijah, to me, when it comes to the issues facing Nebraska football. And, And yes, the IBAC run game is is vitally important for an offensive identity moving forward. A downfield passing game is vitally important because if you have a good run game, you can nail play action and get a downfield passing game. If you have good quarterback play, that means the quarterback is is able to to run to able is able to pass has time to throw has time to find wide receivers and to me it all centers around offensive line play but it's again uh if if you have defenses stacking the box against the offense because there's zero respect for the passing game your run game Elijah is going to be uh less effective uh, if you have a one-two punch uh, in the running attack with your quarterback and with your eye back, that helps d- due to diversity. But, man, it, it, they all are reliant upon one a number. And the offensive line is is so important to me, is so key for me. And not everything was the offensive line's fault. There was some decision-making there was, uh, there was, I don't want to say lack of creativity, but for sure lack of execution on offense. And there was just straight up some fear or maybe not a lot of trust with, uh, with going big. 
uh, on offense. And I think that's fair to say just because, Elijah, of the inconsistency you had on offense. I don't think the offensive line was bad, but the offensive line, more times than not to me, they didn't get whipped as much as as they made the self-inflicted mistakes that, that hurt what the offense could have been. And that, that's kind of where I side with things. And as, as we move forward in 2021, it is, it is for me on the offensive line, be it, be it the center, be it uh, being able to run between the tackles versus getting outside that can open up some downfield passing that can make things easier on your quarterback to find that running back that you're willing to give the football to 20 to 25 times a game. They all hinge on one another, but it is to me ultimately the offensive line that's going to make things a little bit easier, a little bit better for Nebraska. Yeah, and what I don't understand about the struggles of the run game is when you look at Scott Frost's team and what he's built through three years is um, almost every single position you know what type of player is going to be playing there. Along the offensive line, it's a six foot six, six foot seven guy they're going to put up at three hundred twenty pounds, and they want to maul you. Uh, on defense, the defensive line is a bunch of big nasties. Uh, you got your defensive backs who are good in coverage but really like to come up and support the run and hit hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you look at the running back position, and through three years, I could not tell you what the perfect model of a Scott Frost running back is. And, and, and I think it's hurting the run game in that we talk about the one-two punch. I think the one-two punch is great, but I couldn't tell you what two types of running backs Scott Frost is looking for to, to put into uh, that one-two punch. And I'm not sure if that's an issue with the talent he's brought in. He hasn't been able to bring in the talent that he wants, or if it's been an issue of he's adapting to the Big Ten and, and the style of back that he thought would work hasn't worked. Um, but all I know I think is, just, is, is that I the think running backs... I think you just backs, nailed it. Yeah, the, is the, the running backs that I've seen uh, in Scott Frost's system just... They're all different types of running backs, and I don't think Scott Frost has found the type of running back that he really wants to play at Nebraska. Either he hasn't found that guy yet, or he knows what he wants, and he just hasn't been able to land that type of recruit. You know what I think it is? I think it was what's worked for you at Oregon, okay, and what worked for you at Central Florida. I think of Killens. I think of Freeman at, at Oregon, and then the 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 – the duck are backs that he had, right? Those guys for their, their niche plays that could just work a defense. You want to be able to go to that and be multiple. It's a great idea, but you saw Oregon bread and butter it with, with uh, Royce Freeman because he had that combination of power and, and speed. And you could sprinkle in the, the duck are guy, and it was just a wonderful mix of power and speed and commitment to run the football. To me, I look at Divino Zigbo, and they finally kind of ended up settling on him, and they let him go, and, man, it worked out well for the best stretch of the Frost era. Uh, I, Mills is not Ziggy, but when you let Mills do his thing, he was fine. I think you're just indecisive right now. And you've brought in some body types and some style guys that you've had in the past that I don't know is is working as well as you want it to or as or as well as it could be in the Big Ten. So I still think they're in search of that. And they want guys to be able to do everything all the time. And, and there's still a learning curve going on. We'll uh, wind down uh, this first segment. We will get into uh, some football thoughts with Mike Babcock. And uh, we'll hit the topic here of, of progression 
and regression. You've seen progress by the black shirt defense. Why is that? You've seen uh, some regression by the offense. Uh, why is the offense regressed? And it kind of comes back to, to that uh, football 2021 question when it comes to issues facing Nebraska football. And it is that domino effect with the offensive line, with the identity, with the uh, the recruits you've brought in. And, and who knows? I mean, maybe you just got some young guys that need to get seasoned up that are some of the recruits, that are some of the guys um, that, that, that are – I mean, you, you may have that guy on campus. They just aren't ready as of yet. Maybe you have another Ziggy here. Maybe you have another – uh, Mills ready to go. Uh, we have not seen Morrison at all, right? Maybe Scott can take a leap. Maybe, maybe it's going to be okay. It was just COVID that held back the running game. Don't know. Uh, Mike Babcock's on the way. Uh, we'll get into some Heisman thoughts with him. His take on Big Red football. And it's great to be with you on Hale Varsity Radio, Wednesday edition. And uh, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas. Think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Uh, we will welcome in uh, our dear friend, historian, author, Hall of Famer, and uh, with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, Mike Babcock is with us at MD Babs. On Twitter, Babbers, how are you? You dealing with today? Thanks for spending time. Well, I'm glad you put some context to it, uh, Chris. I, it's yeah, uh, like I told Elijah, I, I thought 2021 was going to be a beacon of light after all the darkness, but uh, not getting off to a good start. This is something that I would have never expected to see in this country. Me neither. And, and Mike, uh, just for some some perspective, you've seen and covered a lot of sports. You've seen and covered a lot of uh, watershed moments, uh, be it civil rights, that era, or different moments in our country's history. And we will get to Heisman and sports and football and all the stuff we love. But as you look at this here, as, as a man who's covered um, different elements of this world, uh, as a journalist, I mean, what's your reaction today? And I know you kind of just given me a little snippet, but I mean, you you uh, you were uh, on site and on the ground in the '60s and early '70s with uh, discord in this country as well. Yeah, you know, and, and that was, you know, I guess you look at it differently when you're a college student or you're you're young or whatever, but. Um, you know, for me, this is more like 9-11, except that the thing that is really scary about it is that, that it's within the country. It's not it's not outside uh, the country, whether like 9-11 was. But, you know, and the, and the thing was that uh, with 9-11, you know, people came together and, and it was... Uh, you know, as as, as one, the, the the country pulled together. Now that's fragmented, and it's it's the opposite kind of situation. And uh, I, I just, again, I in, in my lifetime, I can't think of anything that's that compares to this because of that. You know, it's just a it's just a jaw dropper. It's 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 difficult to comprehend, and and I don't comprehend it very well yet. 
Mike Babcock's with us. Follow Mike on Twitter at MDBabs. Mike, uh, I want to switch gears, shift gears, and uh, you've voted uh, with the Heisman for a, a number of years. And uh, what was your takeaway with the, the, the group you had to, to choose from? And uh, Alabama's been on a roll with kids that have been up for the award and uh, you've had uh, a number of winners from Alabama you had Trask uh, of course that was there from Florida Uh, Trevor Lawrence is as decorated as it gets but we'll leave college football without the Heisman what did you think of this uh, this 2021 group or I should say this 2020 group uh, that that was up for the award well you know uh, Smitty it it really uh, surprised me I, I guess not, not when it actually happened, when the vote finally got to the vote. It, it didn't surprise me so much, and that's, that's who I voted for. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was my, my three votes were in the sequence that they finished. But, um, you know, it was getting to the point where it's just like, you know, is this going to be just the best quarterback on the best team award? Uh, is, that, is, that, is that the way it's going to be going forward? And uh, I think I saw where... Uh, I didn't look, but I think this is accurate. The last three non-quarterbacks to have won the award have all been Alabama players. Mm-hmm. It underscores the quality of of the talent at Alabama, and it helps explain why Alabama has been what it has been. But uh, um, I, I thought it was a positive that uh, you know that someone other than a quarterback won the won the award, and I think it was deserved. Uh, I think that's very much. Uh, Deserves that, you know. I I thought that uh, here's Alabama again, but I thought Najee Harris was a was a realistic uh, possibility as well. I I considered uh, for that third place on the uh, on the ballot. I considered Harris uh, very seriously and and came very close to to putting him there instead of uh, the quarterback from Alabama. Mike Babcock is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mike, when you look at the uh, the Heisman Trophy presentation uh, last night, three quarterbacks, uh, all virtual. I was going to say on stage, but everyone was virtual last mm-hmm. night. But the three quarterbacks plus the one wide receiver, um, do you think we're going to see a shift back towards more position players winning the Heisman, or do you think this is still just a, a quarterback-dominated award? Well, you know, it's, it's – uh, uh, yeah, I, I would guess probably that it's, it's going to be more often quarterbacks than that. You know, because that's kind of the nature of the game, the way we see it, and you know, it's it's uh, uh, and they see it in the NFL as well, uh, and that's obviously the the person that makes the offense go is the is the quarterback. It all depends on that. So, um, I think the front runner in in the balloting for or the expectation is the front runner in the NFL for MVP is is going to end up being Aaron Rodgers. Um, and uh, you know it's it's quarterback, so I think it's the nature of the game. But um, like I said, I was glad to see that a, a non-quarterback won the award, the Heisman. I thought it was deserved, and I think that it's um, you know it, I guess you can look at it and say, well, you know, what about uh, defensive players? You know, does any is that going to happen? But it's very much an offensive game now, so. Uh, probably not going to happen anytime soon. 
few minutes, Mike Babcock's with us, uh, chatting about uh, the Heisman last night. Devontae Smith, uh, incredible season, and uh, just kind of wide receiver you. If you look at all the guys that are in the NFL, and don't forget uh, Smith made the game-winning catch from Tua as a freshman in the national title game against Georgia. You fast forward to now, and, and Smith's a guy that, his message last night was awesome uh, about perseverance. Don't get discouraged. And just because you're not the biggest doesn't mean you can't be the best. Babbers, I want to go back in time. And, and this kind of got my wheels turning. It is uh, Indomitian Sioux's 34th birthday today. I want to travel back to, to the to the Sioux uh, season in, in 09 with where he finished with the Heisman. Uh, you've also seen in, in covered Nebraska teams that had Dave Remington uh, finish uh, high up. Uh, you had Rozier win the Heisman. You had Irving Fryer and Turner Gill in the Heisman conversation. Also, uh, you go back to Rich Glover, the uh, the year that uh, Johnny the Jet Rogers won the Heisman. And then, of course, uh, 0-1 with Eric Crouch. But as we look at, at Nebraska's contenders and winners for the Heisman, um, out of all of the, the, the names, the winners, and, and the guys that just finished uh, behind the, the eventual winner, where do you put Sue's season as we look back, uh, that 09 season, that, that campaign, um, when you put it in the, in the history of, of just the, the wow factor from a defensive side? Uh, among the best, you know, no question. I, I think when you're talking about the, the most outstanding defensive player, at Nebraska, you know, Susan there, Rich, Rich Glover. I think Glover finished mm-hmm. third in voting uh, the year that Johnny won it, um, which is pretty pretty remarkable, you know, the, even the potential for a split vote um, because of two Nebraska guys. Um, and, a, you know, one guy that kind of gets forgotten in all that discussion, uh, you know, Wayne Malin finished ninth in voting for the Heisman Trophy in 1967. That was a six and four team, and you don't really think that much about that team. Uh, but it, it did lead the nation in, in total defense that year, um, and ranked I think third in scoring defense, uh, or maybe it was first in scoring defense as well. But um, you know, so Wayne Malin in the discussion, and I certainly would uh, include Grant Wisdom and Wisdom in any discussion. But but you know. Uh, and Dominican Sue has to has to be uh, you know has to be in that discussion and and on any given day I would probably put him at the top of the list. Mike Babcock's with us. A couple more minutes. It's Hale Varsity Radio at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, what are you expecting uh, on Monday night? Assuming we get Monday night with Clemson. Uh, I should say, with Alabama and Ohio State, man, uh, this isn't going to be a shootout, or do you think uh, it could be, I don't know, a little bit better defensive game than we may expect? Uh, You know, I think stopping Alabama is going to be difficult. I I think it's going to be a comfortable win for Alabama. I'd like to see Ohio State make a run. I'd like to see Ohio State win the game, uh, to be honest with you, and and maybe Ohio State... uh, uh, can defensively can can play well enough to to hang in there, but uh, you know I look for Alabama uh, bec- again because of what it has offensively. Um, I look for Alabama to win the game comfortably. Mike, as Nebraska fans, is it 
expected that we should be rooting for Ohio State in this game because of their their help uh, in the uh, in getting football back. Is that is that where I have to go? Is it wrong of me to support Alabama if I were to support Alabama? No, I think I think you can support whoever you want if you're if you want to vote if you want to cheer for Alabama. That's fine. I you know I I think that it it it's difficult. You know, I, I, I'm sure you probably say, "Well, you got to be loyal to the conference," you know, and you got to expect the conference. And I, and I would definitely would like to see Ohio State win the game. I'd like to see Ohio State uh, be competitive in that game because, I, you know, it gets a little worrisome. As a friend of mine uh, pointed out to me here recently, it's like you know, he gets tired of seeing the same teams, you know, uh, in there every year. And uh, this would be what Alabama sixth. A national title if if uh, if it wins it in what ten years or something, some mm-hmm. remarkable stretch like that. So, um, but uh, no, you don't you don't have have any responsibility from that standpoint. I mean, I think Nebraska made the decision that uh, it was going to try to get the you know the Big Ten to go ahead and play some football, and and uh, it probably happened. It wouldn't have happened without Ohio State stepping in, but. But Nebraska did that, made the decision on its own, and did the right thing. I think, as it turns out, and uh, uh, Ohio State certainly gave it the push over there. But uh, I think you can you can separate the two if you want. Mike Babcock's with us, HillVarsity.com and magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, uh, stay safe, and thanks for your perspective on football, life, and, uh, of course, government today. Thanks for jumping on with us. We always hey, appreciate you so much. a better day. Amen. I appreciate you, Mike. Thanks so much. We'll uh, talk to you next week. That's Mike Babcock. We'll check in with Mike Schuart. Brad Edwards will be with us. Love Babber's perspective on the Heisman. Brad Edwards, also a Heisman voter. Mitch Sherman with us next hour, a Heisman voter. And uh, some of your thoughts here as we dive into some 2021 topics for the Big Red. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. A reminder about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a safety belt can reduce risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash is buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway safety office let us head to wilderness ridge we say hi to mike shuhart shuey happy new year how's your day going it's going good happy new year to you it's been a while oh, brother i've missed you we've had we've had bowl <laughs> games we've had a little vacation we've had more bowl games and i need you to to make a phone call to the almighty and say let's get some 65 degree weather going so we can go swing the clubs i am ready for that myself I know you are. Well, I was looking, you know, and, and I love uh, tweeting out Mike Shuhart wisdom. And, <laughs> Shuey, uh, it's been a while since we've sat down on the deck due to weather. But, uh, you know, go see Mike Shuhart at Wilderness Ridge. Get the lessons handled. Get the fit you need. And get a, get a bourbon on the deck when it's nice or in the lodge when it's like this outside. But, brother, there, there's a picture of you on Twitter. And, and you're shooting a shot from Twitter. Set that scene 
for me <laughs> where that picture's from, or is that just you climbing trees? Uh, that's just me climbing trees. So every now and then you might be faced <laughs> with a difficult shot like that. So I've seen pictures where guys balls up in the tree. So if you're ever faced with that situation, hopefully – little information I gave you will help you uh, handle that shot. <laughs> All right. What's what's the most in jail you've ever been? Oh, boy. Most in jail. I, I, I have been up a tree before. I haven't been able to get up there and hit it out, though. But I've been up against an out-of-bounds fence mm. in the long grass next to a hazard having to try to hit it left-handed. So Really? How'd that go? Yeah. Um, it went okay. I I got it out to where I could at least swing at it the next one, so I guess that's a plus. Did you ever face an alligator like Chubbs? So, no, I haven't faced one of those. But I've seen okay. a bunch of them, but I haven't been down there next to one of those. Uh, do you get a little nervous, or is the gator scared of you? Uh, the gator's more scared of you. He'll go jumping in the water before he comes jumping at you. Okay. Um, so, and I'm not going to get that close to find out anyway. <laughs> Mike Schwartz with us, Wilderness. No alligators at Wilderness Ridge. Just, just a oh. disclaimer there. So, who, who is a, a guy on tour? I mean, is it Phil when it comes to the trick shots and getting out of trouble, or is there somebody else maybe that that you think of that you kind of smile about with those difficult shots? If God forbid a shot goes awry and you've got to got to make a, a really good second or third shot in a tough, tough situation. Is there somebody you kind of point to? Oh, that is Tiger Woods all the way. Okay. That dude is so creative in what he can do, how he thinks about negotiating a very difficult situation. He does things that it's like I would never even think about trying to do from that situation and pulling it off. He's by far the best. Should we uh, let's uh, switch gears and get into some football? And uh, you know, if if you're making a a pros and, and a cons list here for for Nebraska football 2020, as you jump into 2021, where are you uh, optimistic and, and happy about Nebraska football? Where are you a little frustrated and hoping it gets better? Oh, I'm definitely hoping it gets better. Uh, right, but what, what what parts what parts of the season? Uh, I'm not very optimistic about any part. Okay, you know, I guess I would be a little optimistic about their defense. I thought their defense mm-hmm. really played better as the year went on, and with some of the announcements of some of the guys coming back, that will bode well to help kind of maintain that. So that part of it, I guess I'm optimistic, but their offensive schemes not. And their special teams definitely not. I mean, that's a that's a cluster. I mean, they got to figure that out quickly. Shuey, is 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 it fixable schematically, or is it? Oh no, this there's too much stubbornness where there won't be. And I'm not talking personnel changes. I'm just talking philosophical changes. Because let's be straight, you you did see. Some elements of the offense work, and I think you and I both kind of liked the pistol, right? I mean, you could you can get downhill and run the football, 
Um, at least you, when you tried to do it, uh, and I think towards the end of last season, Rutgers game, Minnesota game, they had some success. Now, if Mills is Gonzo, and I think he is, you know, do you have a guy on campus right now that can carry the mail for you? We, we don't know. Maybe they've recruited enough, at least on paper at a high level. But I guess, do you think uh, schematically they can, they'll make the decision to be more run-based? And they've already been run, very run-heavy, but, but make it a priority, have an identity with it. I hope so. I mean, that's that comes from the offensive line, though, too. I mean, it's... yeah. But for you to be able to be efficient and be able to do that, your offensive line's got to be really good at being able to do that. So, I mean, that's where it starts is how good is that, you know, and just that they have to clean things up and how they do some of the stuff. It's not that I dislike what they do. I just dislike how they do it, you know. Mm-hmm. They throw their swing passes out to Wandell, but it's like you can't throw a swing pass to a guy behind the line of scrimmage behind him and then make him turn around and try to run upfield. I mean, it's just not very clean in how they do it. I mean, if you watch the other teams that do it well, I mean, they don't they don't run it like we do. They're way more efficient in how they do it, you know, and that's that's the part of me, to me, that has to be cleaned up is their efficiency of how they do what they're trying to do. You can't just do it okay, you know. Okay is not going to make it. I mean, okay is not going to work. You know, if you're just okay and then you fail at a couple other areas, you're going to lose every time. I mean, you have to be efficient mm-hmm. in how you do it, more precise in how you do it. And they're just, I don't see that. I mean, they're too way inconsistent. You know, they make way Should we, more you got a lean for me for uh, Monday night, Ohio State or uh, Bama? Bama's so good. It's, you, know, <laughs> you just said that without right. even blinking. You're right. Yeah. They're so good. I don't know how you beat Bama because they can beat you too many different ways. I mean, when's the last time you had it? They had, what, five of the top? They had three of the top five Heisman Trophy winners, you know, vote getters. Yeah. So it's like you got three of the best players in college football on your team. You got a quarterback, you got a receiver, and you got a running back. So how do you want me to beat you? You want me to beat you throwing? You want me to beat you running? You want me to beat you doing both? So it's like they're just they're going to beat you by making your your defensive linemen scream. They're that physical. Pretty much. Shuey, uh, about 20 seconds. uh, Folks can come find you, come see you, get signed up for a lesson, get fit, all that still on the table for 2020, brother? 2021? Yep. You can still uh, come get lessons. Uh, We're still going to be, our schedule is going to come out. We're going to have our fit days that that the public can come out and and see what we have and, and get fit if they'd like to. Um, other than that, then, because first of the year, we went fully private. So mm-hmm. we are now a private facility. So uh, it's going to be exciting times coming forward. So looking forward to all that yeah, and all get, the things that are coming. So Get joined up at Wilderness for sure. Shuey, we'll talk next week, brother. Thanks for the time. You bet. Thanks for calling. Good talking with you. Have a new year. Have a happy new year. And now... And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. can email us, chris at halevarsity.com. Uh, find the show, uh, different platforms, uh, the podcast. We love you listening to us live on ESPN Lincoln out in central Nebraska, ESPN 1460-1550, Carney Hastings, Grand Island, our dear friends up in uh, Columbus, News Talk 900. Uh, that's uh, where you catch us live, 4 to 6, but uh, take us with the podcast. Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Elijah and, and uh, Damon do a great job of getting the uh, the show uploaded. Also on demand, ESPNLincoln.com for some of the interviews and segments you want to hear on your time. The Herdat uh, media platform, some great podcasts to subscribe to with Herdat. Uh, we're on that page as well. Uh, so find us, take us with, and uh, give us a review. And give us a download and give us a follow with the podcast. Subscribe. It don't cost you nothing, as uh, Bluto said to the uh, the future recruits of uh, of the Delta House. Uh, reminder about housing, and that's uh, West Blue Realty. Your dear friends at West Blue can make uh, relocating painless. And uh, when it comes to residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities. They'll make that uh, move a smooth one for you. When you mention Hale Varsity, you can get up to $1,000 in the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby is uh, just tremendous. Tom can help you out with West Blue Realty, 402-540-3768. Or Kelly Hofschneider, give Kelly a call. Kelly's outstanding as well at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. Uh, 1120 K Street Suite 200 is uh, where you can go find them in Lincoln. Get an appointment today. So I got to get Elijah Herbal's take on this. Uh, did you uh, pour a little out for your hero, John Elway, as he has stepped away from GM duties with Denver? Or did you uh, crack a beer in celebration that maybe someone comes in and get your quarterback fix finally for the first time since he retired. The thing is about this is it's uh, it's weird because he was fired by being promoted to uh, director of football operations, which makes me think that he's still going to have a large hand in what the new GM says and does, and I feel like he's probably going to be a big part of the hiring process too to find somebody who can work with him. So while I, I don't think it's a monumental shift, I hope maybe it's uh, somebody with just a little bit more experience in the uh the realm of gming because john away was he had the experience but he wasn't necessarily 100 percent qualified to be gm and he got us a super bowl got us 100 plus wins and i'm thankful for what he brought for us but i do think it's time for a change i wonder uh with the the ownership situation the broncos being in flux for the last like three years or whatever i wonder if he's stepping away from gm as to kind of take a step back from the organization maybe someday uh, try to get in an ownership group that'll try to get a minority stake in the Broncos. That's what I wonder. It kind of gives me that weird feel of he doesn't want to step away from the Broncos, but he's ready to step away from GM. Seems a little strange. So I, I wonder about that, but I'm excited for whoever the new GM is going to be. How, how long is was how long has that way been there? And I know we got to run, but how long was how long has he been? Because I mean, they haven't drafted horribly. They just haven't gotten quarterback right. I believe it was ten years. Okay, I believe so he's, got 10 I mean, so around the Von Miller era, right? Yes. Uh, I know he did. Well, 
he did draft Demarius Thomas and Tim Tebow. I don't think he drafted Von Miller. Was that, that may have been his first draft to get Von Miller because we were terrible the year before. I, I would hope that worked for him. Uh, Brad Edwards, Heisman voter, ESPN insider, Mitch Sherman coming up next hour on Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. As uh, we have kind of detailed what's gone on in our nation's capital today, as we kicked off the show, uh, we will spend some more time on the Heisman, on college football, on Nebraska football. This second hour, find us, follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. And, uh, of course, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Uh, let's uh, dive into some college football and uh, spend some time with ESPN Insider. He's a Heisman voter. He's been all over college football for a number of years. Brad Edwards with us at J. Brad Edwards is where you follow Brad on Twitter. Brad, how have you dealt with today? Thanks for spending time with us today. Well, Chris, I, I'm uh, I'm doing what I normally do at this time of year, which is I'm just you know knee deep in football, and I'm, I'm uh, a lot of the times I wouldn't even know what was going on elsewhere, except that it's so prominent on social media. I've I've seen it, but I have no interest in turning on the TV to watch it, and uh, just I'm glad I have you know something else that's a really big deal to focus on right now. Absolutely. You got the college football championship game Monday, and you've been a Heisman voter for a number of years. Kind of put into context just what Nick Saban has done uh, when it comes to to the accumulation of talent, talent development, and ultimately uh, you're going to have a Bama player either virtually or in person uh, up for a Heisman. This is incredible what, what Bama's done. Yeah, especially when you consider, I mean, we all we all know what the history of the program is, but that they had never had a Heisman winner prior to Saban getting there. And uh, it also, and still to this day, have not had a, uh, a, a number one overall pick in the draft, at least in the, uh, the common draft era. Um, so I don't know if he'll be able to take care of that one at some point, but um, he certainly had uh, a whole lot of talent that's come through there and uh, while the focus has always been on the team, uh, as, as it is for, for pretty much everyone, uh, just by default, a few guys have, have run up some, some big numbers. And I know, you know, when Mark Ingram won it, there were a lot of people felt like Toby Gerhardt or Ndamukong Sue should have won it that year. Uh, when Derrick Henry won it, there were a lot of people who thought that uh, Christian McCaffrey should have gotten it instead. I didn't really hear much of that going on last night. I think Devontae Smith, and it's especially is interesting because he's a receiver. And, uh, you know, until fairly late in the year, he wasn't even returning kicks. All he was doing was catching passes. And, and um, that's pretty much what he won the award on was, you know, was based on just his pass catching ability. And he was that good. And I, I think what really sold people on him is what happened after Jalen Waddle was injured. And it's, it's kind of interesting now that you think about the possibility of Waddle coming back for the national championship game. Uh, but since he went out, you know, Devontae Smith went from being a guy who, if, if you look at the stats last season, 
with basically four future first-round NFL wide receiver picks uh, on that roster, Smith was the one who led the team in receiving yards. And a, a lot of people really thought probably the least of him uh, as far as just the, the national impression. And if you were to ask people to start naming those Alabama receivers, even though he's the guy who caught the game-winning touchdown in the national championship game when three of those four were true freshmen. And, and so, but after, you know, the Ruggs and Judy were drafted and then uh, Waddle got hurt, uh, you, you felt like, all right, now all you got to do to stop Alabama is just keep Smith from catching the ball and they don't have anything else. Well, I, I mean, I think we know they have other stuff. It's Alabama. Um, but they didn't really have to reveal the next secret weapon because no one could stop Devontae Smith. And I think that was what was so impressive about it. And uh, he was, uh, I think, a very deserving winner. And, um, and uh, it, you know, maybe you could argue that it wouldn't have happened in a normal season where a couple of other conferences like the, the Big Ten uh, and the Pac-12 had been able to play a full slate of games. Maybe there would have been you know, someone else at, at quarterback or running back that would have had another season that would have uh, maybe um, been better than his in the eyes of some. But, uh, man, it really, really has been impressive what he's done to this point, and, you know, we get to watch him one more time. Brad Edwards with us on Hale Varsity Radio, Heisman voter. We're talking Devontae Smith, a guy that talks about perseverance, backs it up, maybe not the biggest guy, but, man, he is a – dynamic playmaker. Bama is so much fun to watch on offense and uh, I want to go there for for Monday. A Brad, are you are you worried about Monday night happening with uh, Ohio State Alabama? Any any insight as to uh the, the the COVID situation or the schedule? And B, are you, are you excited about this matchup? Can be a, can it be a a thriller or do you think it's just going to be a, a Bama route? Yeah, so the first thing with the COVID, uh, I have not heard nearly as much noise on that front today as I did yesterday. And it kind of leads me to believe that if we can get through tomorrow uh, without there you know, being a significant change, that the game should be played on Monday. And, and let's hope it is. I mean, as, as much as we all want to see both teams at, at full strength for a national championship game, it's just not going to happen this year. It probably never was going to happen. And uh, the thing that worries me more about the idea of pushing it back uh, is that Ohio State, you know, they, they might get some players back that they wouldn't have if they have to play on the 11th. It's also possible that they might have some other guys that become unavailable that, uh, you know, that, that would be there if they play this coming Monday. And then and the other part of it is that Alabama has gone through this entire season. And we know Nick Saban, you know, had a false alarm and, and, and got to coach against Georgia. And then he had another false alarm. I think it was against Auburn and didn't coach in, in that game. Um, and then they had uh, one assistant coach who missed the semifinal. But other than that, they have basically just kept themselves out of harm's way with, uh, with COVID all season long. And I, I cannot imagine if, they had to, to postpone the game because of Ohio State's COVID issues and pushed it back one week to the final date. It's like, okay, this is it. It's being played this day no matter what. And then you end up having Alabama get its first flare-up of the season, and they end up being without a bunch of players. Um, I, 
that to me would just be wrong on so many levels. As much as uh, as much as I, I want to see Ohio State have all of its guys, I I, I want to see it played on Monday. And and if it is played, to answer your other question, I think it could be a fantastic game. Um, when, when you look at the the struggles that Ohio State's had defensively and especially stopping the pass this year, um, even against Clemson, Trevor Lawrence still threw for 400 yards. Um, so. Alabama is going to score a lot of points. They're going to move up and down the field. It's going to be fun on that end. And I, I think what we saw from Justin Fields the other night is, you know, assuming he's healthy, that Ohio State can match them, you know, and, and they should be able to, to score plenty. And uh, we, we know what he's like at his best. We haven't seen it as much this year, but we saw it, you know, for most of last season. And uh, I, I think it was a, an eye-opener to a lot of fans. It's like, oh, wait. Oh, if, if Ohio State's capable of doing this offensively, you know, we, we saw Ole Miss for most of four quarters be able to score with Alabama. We saw Florida for most of four quarters be able to do it. Ohio State has more talent than either one of them. Maybe they don't have the same personnel as Florida, and it's possible that not having a Kyle Pitts at tight end might make it better for Alabama. But certainly Fields, you know, as a runner, if, if, he's, you know, if he's not too banged up to be able to run, can do some things that Kyle Trask can't do. So um, it has all the, you know, all the makings of, of not just a competitive national championship game, but a high-scoring and highly entertaining one. ESPN College Football Insider Brad Edwards is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brad, assuming the game does uh, go forward as planned on Monday, you talked a little bit about uh, what Ohio State needs to do, but which facet of the game do you think is most important for them? I know you said they've struggled to stop the pass, um, but is it just going to be a shootout? Well, which, which part of their game do you think is going to be most important if they're going to take home the, uh, the trophy on uh, Monday night? Yeah, to me, it's pretty much a given that they're, they're going to allow a lot through the air and they're going to give up you know, points. And so it's just a question of, of how well can they answer. And I think the the big thing there might be, can they establish Trey Sermon? Obviously not to the level they did in the Big Ten Championship. That's not going to happen again. But if they can come close to what they did in the semifinal against Clemson, you know, then, then it's going to be a lot more difficult for Alabama to key on those receivers. And the other thing is, is that the more that Sermon is able to run, the less that Fields has to. And I, I'm just going on the assumption that he can't be 100% after what we saw last weekend. And uh, if that's the case, then uh, it would only be natural for someone in his position to not want to get hit unless he absolutely had to. And so you would, you would doubt that the game plan for Ohio State is to go in there and give him a heavy dose of Fields running the ball. Um, so uh, if, uh, if Sermon can run, then I think it allows him to just be a passer and do most of his damage that way. And uh, if, he's, you know, if he's throwing it on target the way that he did against Clemson, uh, then they've got a chance. Brad Edwards is with us, uh, college football insider, ESPN. Ohio State was so nice off of the play action against Clemson. That run game is going to be vital for the Buckeyes. Uh, Brad, I want to get into the coaching carousel reaction to Texas moving on from Coach Herman and uh, pulling the trigger on Sark. Uh, what's your what's your outlook for Sark at Texas? Also, uh, Bielema back in the Big Ten and. He, he did well at Wisconsin, uh, chased some money, and, and now he's back in the Big Ten. How do you see that working? And then uh, a third uh, you know, part of this Auburn 
Um, are they going to be able to be better moving on from Gus? I know that's their hope, but will it be a reality? What's your take so far on these coaching changes in college football? It's amazing how much happens in a week in college football. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking as you were asking that, I'm like, have we not talked since the whole Sark to Texas thing happened? And, and, you know, and it occurred to me that only happened Saturday. It feels like two weeks ago, but it was, it was basically, you know, four days ago. So, um, yeah, I, I think um, that one, uh, it didn't catch me off guard the way that it did a lot of people because uh, when Chris Del Conte, the Texas AD, had, had given that you know, vote of confidence or whatever you want to call it in, in December regarding Tom Herman's status, it was worded kind of vaguely where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that that's really what I'd want to hear if I'm Tom Herman. It basically told me that, hey, we weren't able to get Urban Meyer, and so we might keep Tom Herman. Um, but obviously they kept looking, and I, I think what they, what they found, which is probably what they were looking for uh, when they couldn't get Urban, was someone who could do what Lincoln Riley has done at Oklahoma. Now, obviously Riley didn't build it. He took over from Stoops, uh, and, and that has to be pointed out. There's more work to be done at Texas than there was at Oklahoma when Riley took over. Uh, but in general, you've got a, a younger guy who is a, uh, a brilliant offensive mind and a good developer of quarterbacks, and um, you know he can recruit really well. And so I, I, I think that's what they were looking for. Now, of course, the difference here is that with Urban, you pretty much know exactly what you're getting. He's done it enough times at enough different places around the country that that you you can be fairly certain you're going to become a top five program pretty quickly with him as the head coach with Sark, even though he's been a head coach, you don't, you can't take that to the bank. You know, he wasn't a bad head coach, but he didn't coach long enough at Washington and USC for you to feel extremely confident that he's one of the best head coaches out there. You just don't know. And, uh, and so I, I think for Texas, there, there still a lot of questions that are going to have to be answered and uh, it's got to make them nervous. But um, you know what? Oklahoma winning six straight conference titles and what A&M did this year uh, obviously has made them nervous enough that they felt like they couldn't, couldn't maintain the status quo. Um, you know, Bielema, I think, is going to be um, – he'll be fun. I, I, I just – I don't know what the upside is for Illinois. I know they can obviously be better than they have been. Um, they've, they've run the ball pretty well the last couple of years, and that's his thing. And, and so I, I think he can – do some similar stuff to what he did at Wisconsin, but, you know, kind of coming back to the fact that he didn't build Wisconsin, much like, you know, Lincoln Riley didn't build Oklahoma. Um, Bielema did something similar, which is he took over a program that was in good shape and he kept it at that level. This is a different story at Illinois, you know, because he's going to have to to do some real work in the recruiting front in order to, uh, to get Illinois uh, playing at a higher level. And it'll be fun to, you know, see if he's able to do that. And then, you know, Auburn, who knows? I mean, there's always skepticism when you bring in a head coach from a different part of the country who hasn't, you know, been at an SEC school and recruited that part of the country very much. And um, it usually is an uphill battle, but Nick Saban and Urban Meyer had never done it before. They were hired by, you know, Alabama and Florida, respectively, and I think they did okay. So I'm not saying that's going to happen at Auburn. I'm just saying you, you can't judge whether a coach is cut out to – you know, to make it in the SEC based on geography. It's just, it's not always, uh, not always an accurate teller. 
Brad, about 30 seconds, bud, and it's great to get caught up with you. Are there two more difficult places to, to exist with boosters than Texas and Auburn? I mean, are those two of the tougher jobs? You would certainly think so. Um, I, I, I do know this, though. Um, Alabama wasn't too great before Saban got there. And once he proved himself <laughs> and they knew what they had and that they could trust him to get the job done, they all stood back and watched. And so I think the right coach who has success quickly – can take care of a lot of that, but man, if you don't do it quickly, it can get bad in a hurry. Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider. Brad, we'll uh, touch base uh, next week. Thanks for the time. Appreciate your insight. All right. Happy New Year, guys. You too. There he is, Brad Edwards with us. Good to hear from him. We'll uh, shift back to a little Nebraska thought with uh, Mitch Sherman from The Athletic as we roll forward on a Wednesday. Thanks for being with us at Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. You can email chris at hailvarsity.com. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. We're taking you back to Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. We welcome in with the athletic, usually our Tuesday man, but shifted things around for, for Wednesday. Uh, we say hi to Mitch Sherman at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, tell me about this podcast, brother, that uh, that I'm sure folks want to hear. Yes, yeah, sorry for the confusion yesterday about the time. We had a, a late uh, scheduling of our, of our uh, big football show podcast. So it's to me <laughs> and Scott Dockerman, our uh, Iowa writer. Um, we're usually on on Wednesday, and the episode came out today, but uh, it's a daily podcast right now um, through the rest of the season, which is uh, running out of time. But we'll be we'll be uh, we'll be on sporadically after that, and then next next uh, next season again, doing it five days a week. But uh, Scott and I have a good time. We talk uh, all things Big Ten West, and uh, I'd encourage people to check it out. It's on Apple and Spotify and all those places. Good enough. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, you've been voting in, in, on the Heisman since the Ricky Williams era, man. That's that's awesome. How did how did last night's Heisman crew yeah. shape up uh, compared to, to past races? What did you think of of the crew? And, and of course, yeah. uh, Devontae was phenomenal this year. Right. He was, he was incredible. And I really think that, you know, the injury to Jalen Waddell, while unfortunate, you know, that thrust him into the spotlight as their primary receiver. You know, if if Waddle had been healthy, you know, Alabama would be a more dangerous team offensively, and you probably wouldn't have had Devontae Smith end up with twenty plus touchdown catches. And, and he and he was at his best in all of their big games. You know, in, including LSU, which is a big game regardless of the rankings. But LSU, Georgia, the SEC championship, and then and then after the votes were in. Uh, on New Year's Day against Notre Dame. I think he had multiple touchdown catches and 100 yards at least in, in all of those games. So super deserving. Um, I know Johnny Rogers is excited to have another wide receiver um, <laughs> in the small fraternity of wideouts uh, who have won the Heisman. It's the first, uh, first Heisman vote for me with uh, with a wideout atop the ballot. Um, it's like Ricky Williams, uh, if you date myself, that goes back to 1998. I was just a uh, young pup uh, finishing up college there. I missed, I missed uh, the legendary 1997 uh, Heisman duel. 
by uh, by one season. Um, that was uh, that was the last time, or the that was when that, that was I was I was not a voter, but thanks to uh, Mike Babcock, uh, I have been a voter since uh, since 1998. Well, Babbers was with us a little earlier in the show and we uh, I love getting the Heisman perspective from him from you and and Brad Edwards so we've gone 3 for 3 with with Heisman insight how good was was Randy Moss's shades the the year before you got to vote that's I know I know Woodson won it but I remember right, Randy right, Moss rocking right. the shades in the front right, row in 1997 98 for sure and I mean that what a trio I mean they're all NFL Hall of Famers obviously um, some of the greatest football players in, in, in our generation and the generations before us. Um, you for, I forget about about uh, Moss, but you know it was memorable because Woodson, as a defensive player, won that. And you know, and Manning, of course, he, and he's like the Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you know, he finished runner-up, and, and I think we're going to see Trevor in that same light. Oh, I mean, that's 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 a, that's a lofty expectations for sure to put on him. And, He's got to end up in the right spot. I mean, Peyton Manning doesn't happen if not for the the people around him in Indy and then Denver. Um, and I hope for for Trevor Lawrence's sake that he ends up in a spot like that. It, whether it's in, you know he's going to start in Jacksonville, um, where, whether whether he lasts his career there um, or not, you hope that he gets in a place where he can do some of those kinds of things because I think he's that kind of a talent. I mean, I. Not, I voted him second, and I voted the way they came in, the order they came in. I didn't have Mac. Or, I'm sorry, I didn't have Devontae uh, Smith on my ballot until really toward the end of the process. And we did a a poll every Sunday that Matt Fortuna um, at the Athletic runs, where he compiled our top three for all of our writers uh, who have Heisman votes or who cover college football. And uh, Devontae Smith was nowhere to be found on my top three until the end and then it took me really until the, the, about the last day of voting to um you know to decide that i wanted him number one over lawrence i just uh, i hadn't seen him enough you know I don't, i'm not watching a ton of alabama games during the season um but uh the, I, I did make it a point to check him out late uh, especially in that sec title game and he won me over Mitch Sherman's with us. Uh, some Heisman thoughts. It's Hale Varsity Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch with The Athletic. Of course, uh, get his podcast looked at, of course, can, can check that out. Mitch, want to come back to Nebraska football. There's been progress made defensively. Uh, good news for the Big Red with JoJo Doman and Cam Taylor Britt. Uh, I know it's uh, your, your story published a few days back, a couple, three days back, but uh, just kind of take us through your your conversation with uh, with Mr. Doman, JoJo's papa, and yeah. and just uh, your contact there as far as you know the the decision. It's huge for Nebraska, and, and Nebraska has uh, some some upside here for twenty twenty one despite the schedule with what we know is coming back defensively. So that's good. The offense will need to help carry some water, but. Your overall takeaway with uh, not just the, the good news for Nebraska fans that Doman's back, but kind of the why, the why JoJo came back in your conversation. Yeah, you know, I made a comment on Twitter that uh, at JoJo and, and with JoJo and Cam Taylor Brick coming back, it's, you know, Nebraska regaining the services of arguably its top two defensive players. And, and, you know, somebody said, I don't think you need the word arguably. And, and I, I, I would agree on thinking about it. They were Nebraska's two best defensive players. Uh, I think inarguably in 2020. So 
that's how significant it is. And I think there was a real possibility for Cam Taylor Britt to leave if he had decided that was best for him and best for his situation. Um, then that that it wouldn't have been a bad decision. I think he would have been drafted. I think he would. I think he has a career ahead of him in the NFL. That's all you need to be able to make that decision and have it be the right decision. Now coming back for another year, it's going to give him the opportunity to to boost his profile, to move up the ranks, to become a high higher pick, you know, to to be an All Big Ten kind of guy, already second team, maybe an All American um, at corner. I think he has that kind of skill, that kind of talent. Um, just to just a uh, you know a, a um, you know, a special player can be as a senior for Nebraska. And JoJo, um, you know, he doesn't have Cam Taylor Britt's natural ability, I think, or at least like projectability at the next level. And that's part of the reason that, that he's coming back. Um, you know, he probably wouldn't have been drafted this year after his fifth season, depending on how things went um, at the combine. You know, and talking to his dad, Craig, who is a longtime NFL agent, Craig was, was Scott Frost's agent. Um, coming out of Nebraska as a as a player um, in 1998, so his his uh, cross his his path crossing with Nebraska football um, is it has lasted a long time. It's, uh, it's it's his roots are deep. He's represented he represented Mike Minner um, and some other ex Huskers from that era too. So he has some good insight into, of course, JoJo's decision, but just also things at Nebraska and you know what JoJo is coming back to. And and, and Craig said. JoJo's coming back because he wants to be a part of making a change. He wants to be a part of the fix, the solution at Nebraska. And he feels really good about where Eric Chenander is, is going with this defense and the work that they've done, the progress that they made last year. And then, and then I think also um, he has a good sense about those teammates, those senior teammates of his who have decisions coming up here very soon about on, on what they're going to do. Um, you know, JoJo wouldn't do this, I don't think, unless – um, he was planning on being joined by some of those guys. So we'll see. Um, ben Stilley, Will Honus, uh, Markel Dismuke, Deontay Williams, they all have choices to make uh, fairly soon um, on whether they're going to pursue the NFL or, um, or come back for another senior year. And I think JoJo's, indica- JoJo's decision, uh, it bodes well for Nebraska in, in the uh, possibility of getting some of those guys back too. Mitch, uh, another name that we're waiting to hear whether or not they want to go to the draft or come back for another year is on the offensive side of the ball, and that's Dedrick Mills. And, and I, I don't want you to speculate on whether or not you think he's coming back or not because we, we don't really know. But what I do want to ask you is is what type of back is, is Scott Frost looking for in his Nebraska offense, and is that back a Dedrick Mills type, or is it something completely different? Well, you know, I'll speculate. I, I think I think it's, it's unlikely that he comes back. Um, I, Dedrick is you know, like Deontay Williams. He's 24 years old. He's been through junior college. He, you know, he's played five years at this level. Um, unlike Deontay, he's a running back where your 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 lifespan as a football player is more limited than it is at some other positions. And if he's got an opportunity now to go and do that at the next level, to, just to catch on with the team, then you know I, I think he's going to decide that's what's best for him. Maybe not. And and if he and if he does choose to come back i don't have any any indication at all of which way he's leaning but if he does choose to come back then it's a huge score for nebraska um because he's shown the ability to be a workhorse in this in this offense and and you know at times it seems like he's been underutilized the last two years i felt that way uh multiple times watching nebraska play you know maybe it's a reflection of the offensive line and the confidence that nebraska's had 
and some of those young players over the last couple of years. He did a good deal with some injuries this year. Um, you know, he was in a, a battle for playing time his first year at Nebraska when Maurice Washington was still around. Um, so it hasn't always been a smooth path to him getting 25 carries but um, a game. But if he comes back, you know, I think you need to see more of what Nebraska did with him in the Rutgers game. And I don't mean, you know, send him out there to get 190 yards. Of course, you take that. But um, <laughs> lean on him. Let him be a downhill guy in this offense. I, I think that's what Nebraska ultimately wants. I mean, it needs a – it's Cross needs a, a variety of running backs. You know, it's not an offense where you're only going to have one running back. He needs some smaller guys, some guys who are better um, on those sweeps, some guys who are, are, are better at catching the ball out of the backfield. Although Mills, for his size, um, is pretty good at it, at catching the ball out of the backfield. And he's good in pass protection. He's good all around for, for Nebraska in this offense. I think a guy like him is what Nebraska's looking for. But there do have to be complementary pieces, too. And some of the guys who are left, like Ramir Johnson, um, you know, potentially Ronald Tompkins if he's healthy, Davion Morrison, um, Marvin Scott, I think can potentially be a, a workhorse guy eventually in Nebraska's offense. But none of those guys, other than Mills, have shown that they can handle that kind of a load. Mitch Sherman's with us. Uh, some thoughts on the Husker running back stable, uh, Mills, and of course uh, Doman, and what uh, type of defense this can be for the Big Red in uh, 2021 mitch it was awesome to get caught up great insight as always uh can't wait to hear the podcast and and read more from you with the athletic thanks for a few minutes today bud appreciate you making time okay good to talk to you thanks guys take care it's mitch sherman with us uh, at mitch sherman on twitter good to spend a few minutes with him what is the prognosis for justin fields in ohio state Got a jock doc on the way, uh, Dr. Brandon Seifert. It's Hale Bar City, and we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Good stuff today. Three Heisman voters, three takes on uh, the ballot. Good stuff from Mike Babcock, Brad Edwards, Mitch Sherman tomorrow on the show. Uh, good old Jim, Jim Walden with his uh, former Iowa State coach. Get his take on the state of college football. Uh, Uncle Jimbo with us uh, in the 4 o'clock hour. Brandon Vogel uh, in the 5 o'clock. Gary Barnett will join us uh, as well. And the pride of Chicago, Danny Burke with some playoff picks. Great stuff from Elijah Herbal today. Also uh, with uh, just, you know, kind of projecting and the outlook for Nebraska football uh, for 2021. Let's talk about uh, the final game of college football in 2020. And that's uh, the showdown with Bama and Ohio State. Justin Fields, a tremendous talent. Justin Fields probably still with an ice bagger or six on his ribs. We welcome in Dr. Brandon Seifert, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon, Happy New Year. How you doing? Hey, I'm great, Chris. Happy New Year. It's uh, good to spend a few minutes with you. So you watched uh, that uh, that semifinal game. You saw Clemson. You saw Ohio State. You saw Justin Fields, as big as he is and as physically as, as he is. Brother, helmets to the ribs are no good. I know a targeting call ensued, and, and Fields continued to chuck it uh, downfield for big plays in the passing game. But uh, what's your level of concern? You spent a lot of years... Uh, treating athletes, dealing with athletes, and while this is not an ACL or a shoulder, uh, boy, oh boy, this can be a debilitating 
long-lasting injury if there's any cartilage or rib damage. Kind of, kind of, um, you know, uh, give us a look, see into, into what you think Fields is going through injury-wise and how it could or may hamper him uh, mentally and physically for Monday. Yeah, you bet, Chris. Uh, when you think about these injuries, especially as a quarterback, who oftentimes that's where we see this happen in this type of player, uh, can be very debilitating. You know, so far we're not getting a lot of information in terms of what his injury specifically is. Um, obviously, you worry about some fractured ribs. That's kind of the most common thing. Uh, you know, although they're saying that, you know, maybe that's not necessarily the case here. But at any rate, uh, you know, a contusion at the very least to the ribs, uh, potentially some fractures there. Uh, uh, but definitely can be very debilitating. You know, when you think about these injuries, obviously there's just the generic, you know, rib pathology of, you know, when you take a deep breath, it hurts. When you cough, it hurts. But then you start thinking about as an athlete all the things that, you know, attach onto the rib cage, you know, what that does for, you know, for example, as a thrower with your throwing motion. Um, you start tacking on all those kind of things, and just the motion itself becomes problematic due to the discomfort. Um, the other thing you have to think about is, you know, just a, a rib contusion, let's say that's that's where this ends up being. Um, it's not just the bony part that's injured here. It's also the, the kind of stretchy cartilage, if you will, that's in between the ribs. Uh, costal cartilage is kind of the name of that. That also becomes damaged, and you have tearing of that and stretching of that. And so all of that kind of plays a role, and that's just on the throwing side of it. And then you add in the other part of it, the contact portion of this, and obviously how much cover that's going to be if you take a rib shot, at least another one, which, of course, in a big national championship game against Bama and their defense, he's going to be experiencing that. So you add all those things together, and it really doesn't bode for you know a great day for him. But, again, he's a tough kid, um, very motivated, national championship game. Um, he'll be ready to go, but he's definitely going to be limited to some extent. What's the re-injury or re-aggravation percentage of this? You can flak jacket it up. You can numb it. You can do all sorts of things. But the reality is you had had, uh, one more ball game, four quarters of that Bama D, and, and, you know, Bama doesn't stop until you scream, right? <laughs> That's true, absolutely. You know, so obviously the re-injury risk is high. You know, it'd be hard to you know put a number on that specifically. Uh, but you know, essentially every every hit he takes, no matter how how big your flak jacket, no matter how well you protect him, uh, there's going to be some some trauma there that he's going to have to deal with. Um, you know, from a, a treatment perspective, and you start talking about the you know a flak vest, uh, some kind of padded vest that are very common. Uh, that can help some. Um, the other thing that they'll think about and, and most likely will do would be uh, some type of uh, anesthetic agent, numbing agent. Um, you can kind of pinpoint the area where kind of the point of maximal tenderness is, and they could even do some kind of what we call like a rib block, intercostal block, where they'll do some uh, numbing medicine around the nerves in the area of kind of that point of maximum tenderness, and that actually can make a big difference, and that probably would give him the most relief and comfort uh, for the game. Obviously, at some point, that anesthetic wears off, and, and it's not a great day the following day. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Justin Fields, the uh, rib injury or uh, discomfort, the, the shot he took against Clemson. What's the, what's the, the turnaround time, Dr. Brandon? We, what, what's the normal healing process like for something like this? You and I get Jack playing backyard football is one thing. This is, 
uh, a little about eight days is is the recovery time and uh, what what you know how how close to 100 percent can fields be I guess is my question yeah you know in that short amount of time he, he won't even be close you know probably to 100 percent I mean you're probably looking at you know, maybe he's 60 70 percent um, he's just gonna in some ways have to kind of brute force it to get through it um, total recovery time on something like this, I mean, you're looking at a good three or four weeks of no contact, but more likely to feel kind of like your old self again. These can linger for three to four months. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Justin Fields and uh, his availability and readiness for Ohio State. Uh, when, when, you, when you've treated athletes, I've got about a couple minutes left here. How uh, how does this compare just from a pain and discomfort standpoint to other injuries? Is this about as, as painful as an injury as there is for, I'll just say, uh, you know, a throwing and running quarterback to deal with, or are there are there worst uh, ail- are there worse ailments out there? Yeah, uh, this this definitely ranks right up there, especially as a quarterback and a thrower. And and you think about all the all the contact you're going to receive. These, these really hurt. And uh, one of the hardest parts about this kind of injury is you just can't you know quite find that comfortable spot. Sometimes it's hard to even just sit. And breathing sometimes is tough. Um, and so it's just really hard to get comfortable just in general. And so I, I think these are difficult when you talk to athletes with these. It's really difficult kind of getting back from these at least initially. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon, thanks for making time and catching up today. Thanks for your insight on Justin Fields, and uh, enjoy some football here on Monday, all right? Hey, that sounds great, Chris. You guys take care. All right, appreciate it. That's uh, Brandon Seifert, Dr. Brandon, uh, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Uh, we are winding down a Wednesday. The show is going to be up on Spotify, on iTunes, and on Google Play. And some can subscribe to Hale Varsity Radio, the, the daily podcast, uh, six days a week. And uh, we invite you to give us a review, give us a rating, download us, enjoy us, and we appreciate you tuning in as long and as often as you have. And uh, also can log on ESPNLincoln.com, go to the Herd Ad Media platform, and check out all the other amazing podcasts that uh, are out there. We'll wind down a Wednesday as uh, it's Hale Varsity, and we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time at Hail Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Good stuff. Uh, a trio of Heisman takes. From uh, Mitch Sherman and uh, Brad Edwards and, of course, Mike Babcock, uh, Devontae Smith, incredible. We've talked some Nebraska football today. We weighed in on what's gone on in Washington with protests and and anarchy. Uh, But we're mostly a stick-to-sports show, and that's kind of where we stay in our lane, but just crazy today. Uh, many thanks to our guests. Good stuff uh, when we focused on some football. Tomorrow on the show, show we'll spend some time with Gary Barnett. Uh, Coach uh, Barnett will give us some thoughts 
uh, Jim Walton, longtime coach at Iowa State, former assistant with Bob Devaney. He'll be with us. Brandon Vogel, the pride of Chicago, is Danny Burke. He'll give us some picks for the NFL and uh, all that uh, for your Thursday. 466-377-7680-825-5865. So we, we kind of donned a nickname last night during the basketball broadcast myself and uh, hall of fame coach jeff smith coach smith awesome at southeast coach uh, smith awesome as an assistant for danny knee and we have deemed elijah herbal the the driveway all-american i was going to bring you on uh during parts of that game last night that got a little funky it was not close uh, really good effort by the Knights last night, and I know North Star, Star will be better next outing because they're a really good basketball team with Coach Quatroki. But how does that that land with you? The driveway All American, uh, you would destroy me in hoops. You're big, you're tall, and you're you're not forty. Uh, so there's that, but. How do you like the nickname? Are you frustrated and angry with us? Oh, I think it fits me perfectly. Um, I, I driveway all American. Okay, we're going. We're, we're, that's how you're you're now deemed. Well, I, I th- now I think deemed the driveway all American Elijah Herbal. I, I I like it honestly because that's what I think of my game. Is whenever I go play basketball with my friends, really anything with my friends, uh, I I I am the all star because I know my friends are not much. Uh, talent because if they have talent i'm not gonna invite them to come play with me because i'm not gonna look like the driveway all-american anymore (laughs) (laughs) so let me ask you this if we were to put together a a um if if i had a 50 dollar office pool Mm -hmm. of one-on-one between you and willie j will wilson i mean could, could that be something we would we would stream and get some viewers on, just kind of like the old the old bird versus magic uh, oh, I mean, showdown, except it's Willie J versus the driveway all American Elijah Herbal. I think we could generate interest in that. I would do the play by play on it. Well, it's not that'd be a close matchup with the way Will and I play. Is we're both uh, above average defenders. We're both above average shooters. We're both very average ball handlers. I'd even call myself a little below average in the ball handling. But I think it could work out well. I have the size on him. He might have a little bit of the quickness on me. See? I think we. I think once things thaw out, we move forward with this. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. I, I've, I've talked to Will about it before. I know he'd be in, too. Done. We're going to make it happen. We'll get some, some basketball set up in the rail yard. Yep. Yep. And, and you two will go at it. That's how we'll we'll shake it out. Enjoy your Wednesday. Be safe. And we'll be back at you tomorrow on Hale Varsity. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Thanks.